You're listening to Just Asking, a conversation about human sexuality and how to approach it with intelligence, understanding, and compassion. Hello, everyone. This is Stephen Ng, and I'm hanging out with my friend Jackie, who has brought a stranger into our <laughs> inner sanctum. Who is this? This is Dylan Suzak. And you've allowed him to violate the sacred privacy we have in our sexual conversations because... Um, boy, that sounded dirty the way you just <laughs> said that. Um, Dylan and I, um, I work with Dylan because um, it's not all about you. Sometimes I do other things. Okay, I'm going to forgive you in Thank advance you. for saying that. And um, Dylan and I were talking about World of Warcraft, of all things. Ooh. And right now you're saying, what does this have to do with sexuality, right? Um, but what I found from talking to Dylan is they have, um, and he'll tell you more about what it means to role-playing games and things like that. But well, they what have, struck you about it? Well, what struck me about it is I've heard, you know, I don't, I don't play online games, but I've heard that women and gay people, and I'm, I'm guessing um, different ethnicities, are not treated very well sometimes in these games. What struck me is that Dylan has created this virtual world of, that's of equality and respect. And so I thought it would be interesting to talk about that. And about it sounds like about half of his league are either women or, um, or gay people. Crap, I knew you were going to break out technical terms. So league. Okay, so how, now I'm going to turn this over yeah. to Dylan, and I will I just jump ask in Dylan, if I Dylan, have questions. how many people? First of all, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me. And... Um, how many people would you guess play World of Warcraft? Well, um, at its peak, there was over 12 million people playing it. And currently, there's about 5 million uh, active users. So just a tiny little pittance. Yeah, nobody at all. Uh, some tiny little neuro tribe of yeah. strange people out there. But out of 5 million people... How does it get organized into, what was it, your league? Well, they're not exactly leagues. Um, the game itself is split up into kind of microcosms based on your, your, um, your I guess, ge geography in the world. Uh, so there's different, there's Asian servers, there's European servers, there's, um, uh, uh, I think there's a New Zealand-Australia server, and there's the Americas. This is sounding like a cruise ship. Cast, you know, we got the not, Asian not servers quite. and the <laughs> <laughs> European servers. Kind of yeah, <laughs> you so, mean computer servers, right? And then right. within those, there's kind of microcosms servers um, that further delineate your geography. Uh, but any any one of those servers can have upwards of a million active players. Um, so what is it you're doing with World of Warcraft that's different? Well, so so World of Warcraft is a unique thing uh, in the gaming world. Um, it's the only truly, truly successful MMORPG. It's been around for a decade. MMORPG. Okay. So we'll, 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 start at, we'll start at the top. Um, MMORPG stands for Massive Multiplayer Online Role-Playing Game. So you think D&D. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you have some knowledge of that um nerds hanging out in their basement with books and telling stories i might have to turn in my nerd card <laughs> i i really am so like i'm an ancient nerd yeah i'm like yeah. a proto nerd <laughs> so you're before dnd you're even further back i am okay, i'm so, totally so before dnd think think uh fantasy to its highest extent so a marvel you, comic book <laughs> if you like marvel <laughs> okay. i'm not a fan myself um but it's 
it's an environment where you can be whatever you want to be. You can, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's placed in the fantasy setting. So mm-hmm. it's not ancient Greece. It's not the future. It just, it's something completely different that exists. It's magic. It's might, it's whatever. But in this environment, people can go in and, and be whatever they want. They can escape from their, their issues at work or home life or whatever. They can create an empire by picking flowers and making potions and selling them, or they can, you know, gather up 19 other friends and go take down dragons and get all this notoriety. That actually sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. It's, it's an insane amount of fun. And I've lost a lot of my time into that game. But But you're, as much as you enjoy it, there was something you saw often enough that you didn't like. Mm -hmm. Toxicity. You call that toxicity. What, what do you mean by that? It's something that it's a word that's being used more and more these days, um, kind of to explain the phenomena of online behavior. When 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 co- coercive powers don't exist to to kind of curtail that stuff, you know, when when you can call some someone something and have you know no no opportunity of reprisal, no one to punch you in the face or you know someone else to hold you accountable, you know, kind of your basis nature comes out and for a lot of people that's pretty negative stuff yeah that's almost kind of scary even just to contemplate if our basis nature was just free to come out i mean it would be really kind of like the law of the jungle right yeah it's it's hobbesian it's the state of nature it's what exists in a vacuum when no one's going to tell you what you're doing is wrong and it, it can get pretty pretty disgusting pretty quick yeah every man for himself and as Hobbes said uh, the devil take the hindmost so when we were in that world, there could be um, any number of vulgarities, but also it sounds like a lot of racial Racism, epithets. sexism, homophobia. All of it that. It all exists because the, the other is scary, and you want to you talk about how it's scary. And, and in an environment where there's no one that's going to tell you no. So I, what do you do about it? Well... That's that's the question I've been trying to answer for a long time, and I think I think I've gotten close. I so is this a work in progress? It's it was. I stepped away as my work, as Jackie knows, is spooling up and getting. You have a real life apart yeah, from the game. Exa- you yeah. know, it it began it, it as I as it kind of came to fruition. I was working another job. You know, it's you know I'd go home and play four or five hours a night managing people and making sure people are behaving correctly and how do you do that though well so uh, so within world of warcraft like i was saying you can grab 19 other friends and take down dragons and and get loot and you know <laughs> and gain notoriety and and that's Arg. i think that's the main draw of the game is what's called um rating um mm-hmm. progression rating periodically they release new content and you can grab your friends and go try to do it and the first group to do it everyone knows their name all five million people that play know who they are. And wow. Yeah. And and so that's what I was doing in the game. Um, and I was doing pretty well. And I was, you know, bringing good players in. And not all of them behave very well. And so I realized that in the end, it's a game. It's It should be there for fun. It is an escape. And it is competitive. But it should be something that I do for fun. And for me, surrounding myself with toxic behavior wasn't fun. So, you know, on this show, mostly what we do is we talk about sexuality. And so if I could not to ignore the racism, because that concerns me as well. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the 
what is the percentage of remarks that you see that are homophobic and or sexist directed against men or women? Um, well, let me see if I understand the question. So, like, of of all the negative yeah, let's say that I see. Let's say there's a ton of abusive behavior that's going on, and abuse would be that old-fashioned word uh, before toxicity came along. <laughs> but if it's um, name-calling, I could call you a big jerk, and that's not sexist or racist, right? I, I would say that over half of the negative things that are heard are either sexist or homophobic. And, the, and wow. another 25% being racist, and then the last little bit just being like general f you yeah <laughs> half yeah i mean it's, that's it, a lot and, and it's casual it's casual right you know it's for the things, speaker it's things i don't want to say on a podcast but yes it's it's casual it's people coming into a, a server which is like a voice over ip because you and i are talking but we're on other sides of the country and just casually calling each other names things that i wouldn't utter in yeah, that you would never even want to be known as a person who uses that right, kind of language, exactly. even exactly. if you were comfortable with the occasional swear word, you might not be comfortable with other people right. knowing that you were that you were comfortable using racial words or sexist terms. Now, sexist and homophobic language is half of the abuse that you encountered. Oh, I would I would say at least. Yeah, and at least. And it's geez. you know, it's it's and I think and I think it comes from like we were talking about what happens in a vacuum when no one is there to stop you, but also just a a lack of knowledge, you know. Mm -hmm. So so when I started the guild and I started to really want to curtail it, I started by sitting people down and having conversations. with How them. do you do that when they're on the other side of the planet? Well, so so most of your interactions with other players takes place in what's called a discord server. Um, so it's kind of like an office setting where you have different cubicles that you can do things in. We have public cubicles where you hang out or cubicles for specific types of activities. And then as a leader, I had my officer cubicle where mm. only official people of the guild can, can access. And so I'd pull people down into a private cubicle, air quotes, and have conversations with them. And, and at first I, I, I tried to educate. You know, when someone says, you know, she should be in the kitchen making me a sandwich or something, I pull them down and I start talking about, you know, 20th century feminism and, <laughs> you know, first and second wave feminism and what it means to say a woman should be in the kitchen. And, and that never that didn't take on really. Yeah, as a therapist, I don't think that would work for me in my office either. I mean, changing human behavior is hard. It's very hard. Very yeah. hard. So what did you find that was more effective? So I started to remove bad eggs. I started to say if that's going to be your behavior please leave and that didn't work so much either um, why not because they wouldn't go it's no they would leave i would force them to leave but it doesn't solve the root of the problem that exists which is and so more people of that behavior would come in um and so i started to focus on uh empowering others within the community to do it. And I think that's where I really started to make progress. Um, oh my God, that makes so much sense. So instead of focusing on bad people exhibiting bad behavior, you focused on people who were eager to learn how to have more good behavior. Mm -hmm. and, and deputizing them, you know? And em educating them. Right, empowering them to help curtail because mob mentality is very powerful. You know, if you look at the state of nature, what came before governments was the the mob, right? Is 
is others policing each other and deciding social what pressure, is right. social pressure. Right. And so it, when you start to educate others and make and people that and others that are educated, empowering them to affect change and say they don't like something. And that that's where it really started to, to work. And 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 how long did that take? Well, when you say it started to work, what were the, what have you experienced in terms of the change in behavior? I mean, is it just your guild? Is it just the league you're in? Is it just some tiny little corner of World it's, of Warcraft? It's an oasis. It's definitely an oasis. This is not the answer. I didn't affect great change amongst all the players of World of Warcraft, but I created an oasis. And predominantly, when I decided to move along, which it still saddens me, but I left it in good hands. And does it continue to be an abuse-free environment? Yeah, they're not competitive anymore. <laughs> they're not. They're not raiding at the top end like when I was there. But uh, it continues to be an abuse-free environment. And more importantly, is it does it continue to be fun? Yes, very much so. Well, <laughs> that says it all, doesn't yeah. it? And but the most important thing is that when I started to empower people to because they knew I had their back, they knew if they stood up to something, and it got ugly, I would end that situation. I would do what I needed to do, whether it was removing someone or something. And so empowered people to do what they felt was right in their heart. And not only that, but it created an environment where more and more people wanted to be in it to a point where, you know, I had more and more pe players in it that, that had the right mindset, that, that cared enough about these things. You know, I am wondering, as I often do, like, okay, so how can we change the world now? <laughs> Pinky, right, how exactly. can we how can we change the world? And but but I have a more personal question. Um, how did this make you feel when you were able to create that oasis that was abuse free? I think it was twofold. I think obviously I was very happy because these people that I thought were the drudges of society that their their true human nature was to be disgusting could could change and could see. But then. It also made me very sad for the world because more and more as, as our population goes up, as the ability to, you know, use platforms like Facebook and Twitter and all this stuff to say things without true reprisal, that it makes me very sad that this is the direction we're heading where you can't police everyone all the time. You know, you, you can't always keep people accountable. And if this is their true nature, then, you know, what the f the future is pretty grim. Yeah, and uh, I can't go down that road because I'll end up uh, committing suicide. I have so many clients who would really resent that. Yeah, that's very depressing to think about. Right. In fact, it's more encouraging for me to think, no, single-handedly, and then with the help of the other people in your group, you were able to create this wonderful environment that was free of homophobia and sexism, and it's sort of like a man who is trying to change a, a habit. And he starts working out and he's got one day in. And then if he can do it for one day, he can do it for another. And if he can do it for, you know, seven days, he can do it for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And if he can do it for a week, then he can do it for a month. And right. this hope sort of builds on itself and there's a sense of expectation. And I'm sort of, yeah, um, it's been a long time since I was a teenager and had that kind of angst that goes with being yeah. a teenager. But I feel more hopeful because you were doing this like, part-time like right. just for your own personal comfort right and it made your life better and i'm thinking very much so why so 
there's really nothing to stop anybody else who's listening to this from doing the same thing in their and and I think world. and I think it is a roadmap that can be applied to to the world. I think that as it is becomes harder to police people and keep hold them accountable because you know workplaces are growing. You you don't always have a boss looking over the shoulder. You don't always have you know a a coercive power to say stop it. You're behaving poorly. And I think it really falls to our shoulders to to police each other to make sure that we're each of us are creating an environment that is more politically correct correct not just for the nature of being politically correct but just doing the right thing yeah for it's because that's its own reward yeah you know treating people decently yeah so can i ask you i guess i i i'm dying to know some more about this because if if one person can do this why isn't why isn't it the case that they're doing this on Facebook and on social media, all the other social media out there? Because if one person can do this and make this big of a change, and it feels that great to be living in an environment that's free of the pervasive sexism and racism that we experience in this world, why isn't that happening more, do you think? Because it's hard. It's hard. Okay, so when you say it's hard, what kind of things would you say to somebody to confront them? And I mean, you, you haul them off. Let's see. No, you don't haul them off to the private room anymore. You're talking to the people who are already the good people, the people yeah. who never use this language. What would you advise them to do when they encounter somebody who uses a sexist slur or uh, some kind of homophobic insult? I would say that education is very helpful. Just saying, telling someone something is wrong is hard. But like we're talking about, it's hard to change their nature. And they, and I think examples of correctness are really important. So if if we're not afraid to go out and behave correctly and empower women and and help each other and support gay marriage and and just make it okay, and then people that would would want to disparage that online or whatever see us being empowering and helping each other maybe we can affect change i don't know well it would be inspiring to me because that's a more powerful tribe i mean the tribe that has more unit cohesion right is far more powerful than the one that's feeding on itself like a school right. of wounded sharks right and and all these platforms whether it's twitter or facebook or something it is detribalizing our society everyone becomes an inv- individual online that's spewing rhetoric or something but whether they're a part of something as a greater whole, not so much. And so if we go out and we show, we march, we we treat each other better, you know, we, we show, like you're saying, a, a tribe that, that cares, you know, that has that cohesion. I think it... It is inspiring. I yeah. find it very inspiring. I, but but you're, you're holding back the secret sauce. I want to know what is the recipe for getting... Let's say I'm a, I'm a 14-year-old guy and I want to do the right thing and I never use that kind of language but there's some older guys in my group who are using that language how do I confront them well I would say that that 14 year old is probably a member of my guild right and I think that he needs role models he needs people that he he can see will step in and stand up for him if he does the right thing and what would you model what would be the behavior you Um, step in and you say and unfortunately, I think it comes down to our leadership. It comes down to our bosses treating, you know, treating situations of sexism and homophobia in the workplace as a serious matter that 
you know, an employee stands up to someone who's behaving that way and doesn't just report it, stands up and then is is empowered by their boss. Like I empowered my, you know, officers and deputies, my teammates to do the right thing. And I think and I think that's something that's really lacking in our culture is having. uh, I don't know how you can say that with our president, but (laughs) in any case, (laughs) having leadership that that is holding us to a higher standard. And when we when we do the right thing, stand up for us. You know, when we when we stand up to sexism and homophobia and and things of that nature, we need to be empowered by whether it's our local law enforcement or or our management at work or whatever. Yeah, this is really encouraging to me, and yet you're still holding <laughs> back. So what would what kind of leadership model what would the leader model when somebody like well me says something like well she belongs in the kitchen with all the other ladies and now that's a very sexist remark mm-hmm. and you would confront me i would confront you and tell you that that's not okay you tell me that's not okay and i say huh well something intelligent like that very intelligent yeah well i mean and then what would you say it's hard it's it's definitely hard it's, i would love to sit down and explain to you why that's a sexist thing why that's a terrible thing to say but the issue is not that i can do that right the issue is that there's there's no coercive power backing me up there that right so but you're modeling the behavior for the other people and as you said before group pressure helps people to change their behavior so if nobody's accepting it jackie can you help us (laughs) So I'm wondering if um, just just saying that's not okay. If that's enough. If that's enough sometimes because... Well, is it? That's what I'm at. I want to ask the expert here. I think sometimes it is. And one of the things like with with sexist language, you know, we've talked about this on other shows. Um, Sometimes, uh, like if somebody insults me, a man insults me for being a woman, and I say, hey, not okay. And he's like, whatever, women in their mouths, right? But if, if somebody else comes in and says, hey, dude, not okay, right? I mean, and, and then he has to, at the very least, he has to shut up. You know, even if you haven't changed the way he thinks, you've let him know that that is not okay here. And I feel right. like... It's not, our culture does <laughs> not accept that kind of behavior. Yeah, and I think that that is a beginning. And I know that I have, got, you know, I've been a, a wet blanket plenty of times in parties when somebody has, has said something racist or sexist. Or homophobic, and I've said, you know what, dude, not okay. And a lot of times they'll just go, oh, okay, because they honestly they thought it was. Uh, okay, so that's another wrinkle on this: is that not every, it is not the case that behind every sexist remark there's a horrible person. Right. Sometimes there's just a thoughtless person who got careless, or a person who just had a bad day and said something without thinking. And I suppose that's also true of some of the homophobic remarks that get made very thoughtlessly. But I guess I'm still wondering then the people who are watching what your experience has been online Mm -hmm. gaming is that it changes human behavior. Because I think this would be news to most of the rest of the world that you can actually change that very homophobic, very sexist group of people who are seemingly very intransigent as they as they troll the universe. Mm-hmm. 
that they can change. They they can change. And I and I think Jackie's right. I think what it comes down to is is twofold. It's supporting each other when we do stand up for it. Just saying no is enough if if people see that you're not the only one saying no, right? That it it is something that is wrong because the tribe feels that it is wrong. And I think that's I, we have too many people standing up for things by themselves, not just that having also members in power in positions of as role models to show that they stand up for those things. Have you ever talked about this on any other platforms like Reddit or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Cause I, I think it's an idea that if we could start learning to have each other's back and I would strongly recommend this. I know in my family, my wife and I are both committed to an abuse free lifestyle and that means no racism or sexism or anything like that. So for us, Holding the line on that means that our home is now a safe place. It's a safe zone. We don't treat each other like that, and we're certainly not going to allow guests and visitors and uh, children to come over and and behave that way. And so it does change our world. And you've changed your world, and I just want to congratulate you for that. I think it's really amazing. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. It's it's really amazing. I just try to think of some way to help more people learn how to do this. And I, I hope the people who are listening to this get the idea that it's really as simple as speaking up and it's in your hands. And if you're not speaking up, then you really have to ask yourself, why not? What What is the ghost in the machine that I'm afraid of? Why am I not speaking up? And come to grips with that. Thanks again for showing up. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Jackie, you can bring friends anytime. Right? I told you. <laughs> I told you he was smart and have, would have amazing things to teach you. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. And if you have questions for Stephen, please tweet us at Stephen Ng MFT.